Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That was uh, our theme. Before that was you our theme. start, I'll just say, I don't know the fuck. Maybe who I did, didn't play that you, fucking who you, lead. Who do you think that guitar is? I didn't even hear it. I know. Oh. It's too far down. <laughs> he did that usually, on purpose. He usually, turned it down so he we turned it down hear. on purpose. Bob uh, saying that I wasn't there and didn't play. So I believe that song's called Look at That House Up There. It's yes. about John Fashante and me saying somebody should go up and save him, right? That was recorded at Sosie Hublet's house in Richmond, Virginia. I was not there then. You were not there. I was not Sochi Hublet there. Is a, is a <laughs> so, person? Sosie Hublet's. That Sochi demo, Hublet's. is that what Pete says too? That's hey, not Pete playing drums. That's Mike. not Pete playing That's drums. That's a guy named Carson. Mike. What's the yes, guy? Mike, just be glad you weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Keith, Keith Morris. Morris. The person who was there, Mr. Keith Morris. <laughs> yeah. How many right times did on. you try to help me get off drugs, Keith? How many times? Many times. Oh. It Zero. Did not work. Zero. What yeah. are you talking about? You took me to meetings in Redondo Beach? My... Um, Redondo my beach. stance on your um, <laughs> on heroin usage and chasing the dragon yeah. and standing in the parking lot with your foil. My stance was fucking go for it. Rage, motherfucker! <laughs> that's, that's a buddy. That's a pal. That's righteous. That's a buddy. Go get it. Yeah. So that's our some guest is a legend. From- Here's the thing. I was trying to th- I was thinking because I just know you as you. But when you really look at Keith Morris, if you were going to do a real podcast introduction of Keith Morris, this is how it would go. Uh, that was inventor, fu- inventor of punk rock in, no. in America. No. The founder of Black Flag. The, the no. originator, the creator, the singer of do, all do you the just classic want me punk to rock like, songs. You want He's me- been singing punk rock for five decades. You want me to... <laughs> You just, you just, <laughs> five decades you've been the king of. What does that feel dude, like, Keith? Dude, what do you just want to like give me head? <laughs> well, oh, I think no. well, we were discussing that wouldn't happen tonight. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> but we right. absolutely agreed that would not you, happen. But, but you, no you guys like agreed you. that that wouldn't happen, <laughs> but he was like <laughs> working your pants he off. Was, he but, was getting ready to give me a. A hand job, <laughs> but you know, but you, you know, had a band called Hand Job, Midget, Midget Hand Job, right? and Circle yeah. Jerks. Uh-huh. But can I just say this? Oh, there's is that the OCA people? So we've taken Dude, over. You need my to save all of the crap. Building in in uh, Silver Lake because we can't get people to come to Claremont to be on the podcast. So now we're based in Silver Lake at Aloe's Outpatient Center. And but apparently there's an adult children of alcoholics meeting scheduled in this room that we set up to do the podcast. In. Well, they're gonna miss it. <laughs> no, I hope they'll be all right. They can just sit in, I think, and have their meeting right there. It's probably been a long time since their parents were a problem. So <laughs> I know that someone's gonna say that's highly insensitive. But I gotta say, Keith, amazing. Yeah, that's to meet not you. politically correct. <laughs> yeah, what? It's not. What but is that, anyways? Adult children of alcoholics. You were. Your is that parents? like? Yeah, I know, but I, I, I'm like behind. I guess I'm maybe I'm not hip or something. But well, is that no, an, Chuck has it right. I mean, is we that all an ism? Suffer. Mike, you've never been hip. 
I know. <laughs> I only know. Dude, See, I Chuck, only know one thing, man. I Keith know is going to go verify. To AA. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a dope addict, and I went to and I went to AA. You know. But can I, mean? I talk about the music for a second? The the first punk rock band in Los Angeles, really, Black Flag. Germs, no, 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 no. We're no. not the first punk rock band. They're not a punk rock band. They're a they're a theater Bob, show. You didn't watch the punk show with Keith on it. You didn't watch episode three. <laughs> uh, where he broke all this down. Oh, he did. He did an amazing did you job. Break down punk rock. No, but he broke down. He, but he broke down where he was in it and where you know there was stuff happening. And okay, it, let's it, it, start. It was done really well. I what mean, year I, did Black Flag play its first show? Nineteen seventy-six. No, nineteen seventy-seven. Our first show, I believe, was a um, living room party that we were invited to play by. A band called the Tourist, who would later turn into Red Cross, oh. and it was a an eighth grade graduation right. party, <laughs> right. Right. and we played in front of this room full of eighth graders, and it was exactly what you would imagine. It they was like their their all of their eyes and mouths dropped and. They were like, what is this? What songs and did you have? We, did you have we Nervous did, We didn't sign up for this. Did yes, you have of course breakdown? we did. They had Nervous Breakdown playing for eighth graders. Now that's that's punk rock. That's punk <laughs> yeah. rock. That's yep. not Hollywood bullshit. That's punk rock. So you go from Black Flag to Circle Jerks, who really defined the what I think is kind of the lame era of punk rock, which is the ritualistic flannel thing tied around your hardcore hardcore <laughs> you know what i mean you know uh, flea talked on that thing too and he said that um he said group sex was like a perfect record it's a perfect record so you and go I, Bob, hard, hard to are disagree you realizing with. that people that watch movies and stuff about punk rock and all the documentaries know way more about it than we do because <laughs> yeah. i fucking like i was so high and so screwed up back then i you know you had to I'm, watch the uh, I'm hbo special when all this stuff was, was happening on. i was like 10 and 11 years old and right. i wasn't there so it's so cool to have this this historical stuff there and it just it makes me feel even that much closer group to it. sex was a monumental piece of work that inspired my generation. Like Black Flag, I didn't know about because it was in Lawndale or whatever. You guys try to tart it up by saying it's in Redondo. You Hermosa. Really were in it was Hermosa La Beach. You were in Lawndale, Hermosa. Dude. There was a, there was a big church there that they had shows. No, this at. is before the church, dude. Your brain was in a garbage can in Lawndale. <laughs> <laughs> You're <laughs> my. Listen. Oh, Bob. Oh, Bob. Bob, Bob <laughs> no, knows so, Bob Bob knows so much close. about the before South the Bay. Church. The church is the romanticized version of Black Flag. No, it's not. You didn't live at the church. I lived in the church. I had my roommate. You're high. You have no idea of your own history. Don't believe him, Chuck. <laughs> I think he did not the, live at the church. I know. Ron said it was 16 <laughs> bucks a month. Ron lived in the basement. I, I lived up in the uh, northwest corner of the church. Is that the bell tower? Which was a two two story room, and I rented out the the upper the balcony. Well, there was a like a loft really? that I rented out for to, how much? I, I the rent was like my rent was like twenty five bucks a month. But, but eating there was a, while we're doing the podcast. That's cool. That's cool. I'm so, eating my dessert. So, but then so then you kind of define what becomes warped punk rock hardcore basically sean's drawing that girl's drawing right 
that's what defines a certain type of punk rock. And we didn't even look like that. You know, <laughs> you look nothing like that. But that, don't you think that the, the Circle Jerk guy is more famous than you? The, I, I would <laughs> hope so. <laughs> <laughs> the guy, the little skanker guy. Yeah, the little skanker guy. He's way more famous <laughs> than Keith. Way more oh. famous than you, Keith. So then... Then so I'm outdone by a cartoon. <laughs> then you get signed Beautiful. to the the heaviest management company in all of Hollywood that manage war and Ohio players. The plugs and you're living. They manage the plugs. That was the reason why we were there. Cocaine dealing house in the Hollywood Hills. That's when I met you. When I hung out with you the most. You were Keith was like. Did you notice Keith the fur carpet in the, in the, Hollywood the, the Hills, kitchen? Looking over the city, and I was just like, "This is what punk rock gets you." I want punk rock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so why? How did you end up with Far Out Management? Um, I was turned on to them by uh, Tito Lariva and Charlo Quintana. Really? Charlo Quintana at one time saved our ass. We were supposed to. Uh, we were. Um, booked to play our first tour of the east coast where we played with minor threat the necros and the stranglers and we performed one night the only person in the crowd was cheetah chrome <laughs> four bands playing for one guy no 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 those we played with all of these bands up and down the east coast right What's with this mic stand, Mike? Yeah, it's my <laughs> yeah, time right. time. Oh, Why don't you, you go, why don't, don't you, worry about it, why don't you put the heaviest mic Stop on the lightest it, stand? So, so, and you guys, so that's, and then that's how far out, because far out management was like a heavy seventies cocaine management company. Well, there was a lot they of crack. They had a huge and, yeah. office. The thing that is the guitar center on Sunset Boulevard used to be far out's management building. Yeah. That's how big they were. It was crazy. And Keith is like, you know, and I'm just like, wow, wow. And I didn't realize he has no money. He was living at the manager's house for free. Is that pretty much what was going on? <laughs> and then everybody knew who the cartoon was, but they didn't know Keith. You know, Keith, I was wearing the Keith Morris shirt the other day. And this kid at, at the arena at Long Beach Arena goes, oh, man, cool shirt. And I said, who do you think it is? And he goes, John Lennon. <laughs> yeah. There's a new Morris shirt if you want it's to get awesome. it with I his long it. hair and round glasses and dreadlocks. It's very popular. Doesn't say who it is, and people mistake it for John Lennon. They do, or Bob Marley. Could and be you a didn't white Bob let Marley. me finish my story about okay. Far Out Management. <laughs> okay. And the reason we were there was because Charlo Quintana filled in on our East Coast tour because Lucky, two nights before we were supposed to leave got in a fight with the guy who stole his girlfriend's Volkswagen and broke the knuckles, like a couple of knuckles on each hand, beating right. the guy up. And it's like, he comes to us and says, we're not going to be able to go to, we're not going to be able to go to the East Coast. And I said, well, go, go soak your knuckles. We'll figure <laughs> this out. And we went and did that tour, Charlo, Learned those songs in one rehearsal. He just passed away. He just passed away last year. He he um, he was rescuing dogs down in Cancun. Yeah. yeah. So so then you go from far out Cocaineville to sobriety. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! 
no, no. How no. fun. How much no, fun. You, did. you no, got let's so talk much. about the gig downtown that you that you were up on the wall and you fell off the wall and broke your I No, said, wasn't, he wasn't playing. He was just dancing with the Rams I cheerleaders. I know that. The what? Raiders cheerleaders. The Raiders cheerleaders. <laughs> I know there that. There she is. Did you she cover that here. in the book? I think so. You did? A little bit. Dude, vaguely. I don't sit around reading that book and memorizing everything in that. Well, book. Yeah, Mike Mart. <laughs> yeah. But, but anyways, but but so you go a. from that. Then, yeah. the, but that's still eighty three. Dude, 84. you were there when we took the bus from. Yeah, I, from Dougie's little squibble squabble place. You were drinking whiskey we're, on the bus, and you were saying to African Americans, the, they no. were the N word, and so were you because you were a Jew. They really didn't know how to react to this tiny man saying he was an N-word Shooting his drunken (laughs) drunken coke down head. That's how we were that's how we were we were getting to the gig. Imagine what happened for four hours at the gig. It was James Brown. Um No it wasn't. Who played? Minute men, minute Dude, men. Did you do any homework? This is about an old married couple. I, I like this a lot. I was on the bus with you. I don't need to read. We don't do homework here. <laughs> the Circle Jerks played a stage. Not the, that day. No, it was a. Um, that day was James Brown. Yeah. Didn't I? What, that, no. Wait a minute. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. No, I'm a bit confused. Minutemen, <laughs> Minutemen played that day, and you got up on stage with them like you often did when you were in Fear a played right drunk. before us. I believe Fear played right before us. This was when I caused the riot. We were playing on the street that was... Yeah, it was the L.A. downtown street scene. After about three years, they just decided, ah, that's no, not, yeah, not we don't need this. Yeah, because of the riot. Multicultural. The day that we played, the Circle Jerks played... I caused a riot when the guys that were up on the very top of the police parking structure throwing bottles oh, on the people that. down below. Yeah, I, I said, you guys don't do that. Don't be throwing bottles at these people. They're not doing anything. And then I pointed at the cops who were on horseback. I said, that's who you want to throw the bottles at. <laughs> oh, well played. <laughs> Did you make so, any friends that night in jail? So what year was that? Was probably you? 80, that was probably 84. No, because because later on he got he got hurt. Was that the same night? Yeah. No, but no this was a different street see, scene. This is what you're witnessing is what people have heard about Keith Morris' life. Who the two people that were participating in Keith Morris' life have two other different realities, three realities. <laughs> I can tell you this: when you were in the hospital and we would visit you, mostly me and Guilty would go visit you, the bass player from Top Jimmy. Yep. And then finally, you were being discharged after like a month or two. It seemed like you were in there a long time, and then we couldn't find you. Eight and weeks. you went, it, yeah. And then we couldn't find you, That's and you went months. right to the cocaine dealer's house in your back brace from the hospital is this true oh. or false mr morris i love the cocaine <laughs> yeah he, did. he loved to drink and he loved the the cocaine. Hell of a drug. he broke his back and was in the hospital for eight weeks and I, upon discharge wait, he went and did cocaine, cocaine. you didn't i crushed a lower lumbar vertebrae listen and the last question that was asked before they allowed me to uh be pushed out in a wheelchair because you couldn't leave on your own feet yeah, yeah. Was can you achieve an erection? <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> All right, good question. If you can achieve an erection, you're okay to you get out of here. <laughs> oh my god! What did you hey, say? Keith, Go uh, rip so it up. I want to know because we've actually never. GG. We no, went no. and saw G. Yes, I was going to say. I, I wasn't going to say what rock star's house he went to buy the cocaine, but now Keith just gave a yeah. hint. But but he goes there and he does, this is key about addiction. He goes there and even I, thought to be one of the worst drug addicts in Los Angeles, thought Keith is hopeless. Yeah. Right? Well, you said like, that about Mike Mart, too. Well, <laughs> I, I was you told like to focus by, on other people. I was told by all of you guys, all, all of the guys in the circle that we ran in, that I would be the first to go. Right. And it turned out I was the first, first one. First to get sober. Yep. In 1986, is that correct? In 1988. 88. Yes. 30. One years of sobriety, sir, with only one year of AA. I'm a, 30 I'm, years without AA. I'm going to bring up a point. <laughs> I, knew this, huh. I knew this. Because. When I heard Keith was on the podcast, I knew this speech was coming. Go, Keith. I uh, <laughs> wrote some stuff in my book and had somebody get online and start trying to rip me a new asshole because they said that I was lying about my sobriety. My sobriety is I've not done cocaine and I've not drank since 1988. Now, I've drank some... Um, O'Doul's. O'Doul's. You love those. And you know how many of those you would Mike have to Mark drink to those. even I get drink those. Mike Mark drinks them. Yeah, and I guess what? I drink cough syrup when I have a cough, too. Okay. Okay. <coughs> but, okay. You know what I mean? But why do why do you why you get shit is because you didn't go to AA. But but no 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 go to AA. No, because I I you did, did go. This is a good point, Keith. Dude, and this is I, kind of I, one of the points of our show is that you know you can recover in all kinds of different ways. There are all different kinds of ways. There's a lot of people that don't go to AA because they think they have to stay in AA for the rest of their fucking lives. You're an example of somebody but who you went have, to AA. But you have, Mike. But you have. I have a friend. <laughs> I have a friend that went to AA for a year. That's what Mike, that's what Keith did. And then he stayed sober. He never went to a meeting again. I was forced into a situation. You were I, living with I, your sister. I knew that I was, I knew that... The morning that I talked, my sister worked for an uh, ear, nose, and throat specialist. So that was the first guy I saw on the Monday morning. You remember me getting dragged out of that party and right. tossed into the back of the van. Right. That, that evening, I was down at my dad's. That night, I slept at my sister's place. I know, and you stayed there for quite a while. The, 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 the following Monday... Like I said, she worked for an ear, nose, and throat specialist. I sat with him. He did his exam. He said, you're lucky you didn't deviate your septum. Your nostrils are totally inflamed. You know, everything's raw and red, but you, you've done no other damage. So, you know, get on with your life. While I'm sitting with him, he said, oh, and by the way, there's the Brotman Clinic next door. You know, the brainwashing clinic where everybody goes to, you know, get sober. And so I sit with the head nurse and the head nurse about 10 minutes into our conversation this says not a rehab center. Go ahead. We didn't go to the rehab center. He came over and sat in a chair next to me in the ear, nose and throat oh, specialist 
in his you were office. You so rehab averse, the rehab had to come to your ear, nose, and throat, doctor. The, the, <laughs> the, the, nur- the nurse sat there and listened to me, asked me a couple of questions, and about 10 to 15 minutes into the conversation, he said, there's no reason for you to pay us $7,000 a week to go to two meetings a day and lose all of your friends and there'll be a job f- waiting for See, I don't you. Know and if that's what he said. So that's, that's what, what he you said. Heard. That's what you heard. I, I don't know. I'm going with Keith's version. He was the only one there. I was, I was sitting with the guy and he said, you sound just the way you present yourself and the way you're talking to me that you know what you're going to do. So there's no reason for you to sign up and, and, that you were going to stay sober. That you were going to stay sober. That he said the only people that are going to come and visit you while you're there will be your mom and your dad and your sister and maybe a cousin. You will not see any of your friends. You will not see the outside world for the first month. Because some people think that's a good idea for drug addicts. You got to do what you got to do to try to kick it, you know? Right. So you, everybody then, has all of these different arrangements. Because it's really important how you got sober. You then just lived at your sister's house. And this is what's interesting. So did I when I got sober. And living at our sister's house, our sisters always, you know, kind of, I know how you are with your sisters very much like I am. I'm her little brother and I, I you know, and I'm, I've tried to live my life the way I thought I could. And then now I'm back home. That's a very humbling place to be. When you were living at your sister's. Well, you know what? When I, the, the, the first meetings that I attended, the first meeting I went to was really you awesome. You liked it. You liked I, it. It was in a church. I didn't care for the people that were there at the meeting. I loved the guy's story because he was one of the guys that worked at LAX, and he was the guy that at guides nighttime, the planes he in. guides the planes in with the the day glow <laughs> orange dr- night sticks and, and what he would do is he would guide the plane in the plane would park it would everybody would uh get off the plane and while everybody was getting off the plane he was getting off he was running back to his locker and he was guzzling it was kind of like there was there was a uh a Dodger who a Dodger pitcher who ended up pitching for Steve the Yankees, Howe. Steve, Steve Howe, Howe who right. would between innings run in and huff up some blow and <laughs> yeah, fucking hit you know the that? bottle. Then you know what's sad about Steve Howe? Then he gets sober and dies in a car accident. Oh, How Bummer. fucked up is that? Right? In Indio, California, Poor when, guy. when Coachella was going on. But he wasn't going he didn't to Coachella. Go to Coachella with us. A side note. The um, I I thought that it would be interesting to see Tame Impala, and then I watched them perform two songs live on Saturday YouTube. Night Live. Oh my! Yeah. Wasn't that it, sad? It was it was brutal. I didn't even know who it was. He ne- he needs to be playing guitar. He needs to be like getting down. He, him as a front man just singing. No, screw that crap. There's, yeah. there's only certain special people that can do that, Keith, and we know who they are. <laughs> special <laughs> so i'm so, so special so but people really want to know how people get sober and stay sober so you went to your sister's house you were humble you even i you know was always going in our rehab i even came down there and went to a meeting with you at a real estate office on pch and you knew everybody it was a bunch of old redondo beach swingers type men you swingers. knew that, yeah like they were <laughs> there's a lot of swingers in in redondo you didn't well, know I didn't that know that aren't there keith 
That's the, that's the entire population of Redondo Beach. <laughs> Every single. How do you know they're swingers? How, that's how you move in. Do they wear a hat? So you a swinger? swinger? But how long? I always I always am saying you went to meetings for about a year and then you stopped going. But then when I got sober, you Bob, came with me. You Bob, came with me, Bob. I had to do a crash course. I was doing three meetings a day. I had a month. When I became sober, when I started going to meetings, when I started making my amends, I hadn't even read the book and I started apologizing to all of these people that I whatever damage I'd done to them. I uh, have made a point to apologize to all of my ex-girlfriends for being a total dick as a boyfriend. Right. And, you know, bringing them along with me through some of the horrible adventures that I went through. And I'm still... (laughs) To this day, friends with all of my ex-girlfriends, with the exception of a one. couple. I was going to say one. I, I, well, um, she, she would have been the one that said, he's a liar. He, his whole book is filled with lies. Yeah, that, that's what I would be referring to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no names here. He, he smoked hashish so with me. That's so I, I smoked hashish, and you know what I'd, what I'd learned? Was that I liked that hashish? It was one of my favorite things, yeah. and I didn't need to go and find the hash dealer after that. No, no. Okay. Well, yeah. In Jersey, you did it. Yeah. So, so I have, I have, I have a. Mike has a question. I have a question. Yes, and and in the book, you talk about your dad a lot, and you were just talking about how you went to your dad's, and your dad, it, you know, dad said, "Get the fuck out of here. Go to your sister's house." <laughs> That's not what he said. So I, <laughs> everything, I have everything a question. you say, Bob. He I said, have a question. That's not what he said. <laughs> no, that's not what, what I said. It's what, uh, what is, it's kind. Of, it was kind of fascinating that you went into your dad and how rough he was and what a you know kind of a, a gnarly character he was. But you didn't really go into like you guys' personal relationship with your dad. Your personal relationship I, with your dad, you avoided in that. Because there is no personal relationship. There was when you were a kid. You worked at his store for years. I worked at that store. I I did he hug you? I worked at that store. And at one point, my dad's best compliment that he could pay me was, you know what? You're doing the work of eight people. I would have to hire eight other people to do the work that oh, you're that's doing. That's a great. That's. I would take that to my. Dude, what are we talking about? We we went to a football game. We went to a Rams football game because my dad was given some free tickets. <laughs> we never went and saw the Dodgers. We never went to a basketball game. We played catch once. You that, went fishing. That, though, it, you went fishing. So are that. you saying that, like, like even at home at your home because life, that's you never what he wanted to, him, you never to sat, do. You never sat with him. You never did shit with him. It did. Never took you fishing. Never. I haven't read the book. So is it negative about what, his dad? Is that when I when, I don't know when I was younger. His when I was younger, is, is a, was a rough character. My a dad. Game. My dad at one time was a biker. My dad was a heroin addict. My dad got busted by the feds with. I don't even know how much cocaine he just purchased the cocaine from a guy that lived in Malibu who didn't need to sell cocaine, but he did it because he loved the adventure. He loved the excitement and he (laughs) knew at some point they were going to catch up to him and they were going to bust his ass. But I'm saying that in your, in your life growing up and stuff, were you, were you, are you like, we were never father and son. It was, it, it was no, not at all. Not are in the least you, I, bit. I think, Mike, wait, I'm kind of a therapist, aren't I, Shelly? I'm kind of a therapist. Yeah. Uh, I, you're not, you're, you're doing what's called identi- uh, projective identification. I okay. think you're talking about your dad. 
I love my dad in the end. In the end, I... <laughs> I got close to my dad when he was dying. Something about how intense Mike is about this. Keith loved his dad. It is a weird relationship. It's a weird relationship between son and father. Hold hold on. My dad didn't, uh, he appreciated what I did in the store. all All the work that I did in the store. He did not appreciate my fans. He knew that I was doing all of this stuff because he'd done it. I at one point had three of my friends come in on a Saturday afternoon and they were fucking all on a nod. All of them. My my best friend, the guy who died, Jeff Migdahl. Yes. Yes. He's leaning against the counter in his nod, trying to talk to me. And there's my dad standing there and he's like, These are your friends. These are the guys you choose to hang out with. Yeah. It's like you guys need to get out of here. And he he basically just said, "You guys, you guys need to get out of here and don't come back here in the condition that you're in, and and don't you know he he thought that I'm surrounded by these heroin addicts. That means that I'm doing that, which I wasn't. I did heroin once. But your mom is a loving, nurturing. My person. mom was always the one that said." Just go out there, grab the world by the balls, don't fuck with anybody, and have a great time. Yeah, but she's a real loving person. So the idea is, you guys, Mike, I'm pointing to Mike and Keith, you have similar stories. You have badass, tough guy dads, and then you have really sweet, loving moms that you can't imagine how these women were married to this, these men. <laughs> that's the only interesting thing about See, it. See, that's where you're good at, Bob, because that's exactly... That's the that's truth. Exa- that's why I was fascinated with it, the relationship between... Because my, you know, my relationship with my dad was not close. Until, his, you know, until he was very old and he was, he was dying, basically. But isn't that also a generational thing? I mean, my dad wasn't, I mean, I think he did the best he could knowing what he knew, but his dad was even more distant than he was. I mean, you know, the, the whole loving, coddling dad thing, I didn't, I didn't even know what it was until I, I saw it on Brady I, I, never, I never really experienced that. My dad was also a gold glove boxer when he was a teenager, so he took no he shit off guy. of yeah. anybody. Yeah. Did, he, did he teach you how he, to fight? No. He threatened me. Like I'm gonna rearrange your face. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know it's the I'm same gonna, thing. I'm gonna punch you once and make your life miserable. And there, there's probably not gonna the plastic surgeons in Beverly Hills. They're gonna foam at the mouth over the work that they're gonna have. So he to wasn't do. proud of you when you got sober. My dad was extremely proud of me when I got sober. I knew my that. My dad. I knew that. My dad. Um. Be before I got sober. While I was still out there dabbling and doobling and doing all of that stuff, actually sat me down on a Sunday afternoon and started to critique the latest Circle Jerks album. And I was completely blown away when he said, um, I, I, I listened to the lyrics, I listened to what you're singing, and it sounds like you've run out of things to sing. And I was just like, I was taken aback like... the. W- w- we, I've never had a, any kind of creative conversation with my dad. He's never been so nurturing. He been He's never what album said, was that? I might agree with him. What album was that? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know because I don't care. And at one point, he, he was surrounded. His friends were, um, one of them was an eye surgeon. 
One of them taught criminal psychology at Loyola Marymount School. That's all fishermen stuff. Fishermen. They were all fishermen. They were all friends because of my dad's store, but these these were his best friend. Then the guy that slept on his couch was going to Loyola Marymount. He would later uh, start work for the uh, assistant district of district attorney for the city of los angeles that's a pretty big deal yeah these are all guys that are Smart doing guys. things that you don't do if you're just a high school dropout so when your dad wanted to kick your ass did your mom they step told in? him morris you better pay attention to what your kid's doing because it's pretty fucking happening what he's doing really you all know right. so those guys uh, the guys around his dad all right yeah. let's fast forward to the wilderness years, let's call them. That's where you and I were inseparable. We you li- we lived together off and on for like ten years. I well, think. we lived in that on bungalow where uh, next to where Lori Patterson. No, um, we we lived in the bungalow next to. You were living with Sabrina Judge, right? The the, the lovely the lovely Sab- the, the lovely, lovely Sabrina Judge. And the, the corner bungalow on Fountain and Gardner was where Cary Grant fucking stooped on top of Marilyn Monroe and was getting fucking <laughs> getting it going on. That, I lived in a place that was so it had so much history. I've been there since the 20s. I'm I'm hadn't lived there in years and I'm driving by a guy I used to live there and I was with somebody who knew rock history and they said that's where this that was the seeds house the band the seeds and I go that was the Thelonious Monster house that was the Keith Morris house that was a great house on Fountain and Gardner and we and lived then, there off then, and on um, forever our, our sound guy lived in the garage Brian. and and you had a uh, you had a uh, you had just done your laundry and folded everything and you had it in one of those plastic carrying yeah. bucket things and he was <laughs> hung over and he just fucking barfed on all of your clean clothes it was genius so i had the greatest scam because when you're a heroin addict you got to come up with something how to live so the apartment rent the whole thing was 400 dollars a month and it had two garages and the and the one garage Thelonious monster rented for 150 a month the other garage keith rented for a hundred dollars a month and then I only paid $150 a month to have that house on Fountain. That's how I, why I lived there so long. Keith lived in the garage, and we used to have movie night because I tried to get sober so many times. And when I would get sober, Keith and I would watch movies together because he was sober. We'd have movie nights, and we would watch the worst movies. We'd ask the people at the video store, what is the worst movie that you've seen? What is the worst? And then we had awful movie night and what, we watched, what did you watch can you think we of watched anything? party animal was my favorite that's the movie greatest movie ever, ever made, ever made. <laughs> ishtar ishtar is <laughs> one of my favorites don't forget party animal the party animal was pondo sinatra and he's excessive he comes, masturbator he comes and they he, recur that he joke driving in to the college campus <laughs> Keith remembers the movie. <laughs> that's what i wanted to know in a trunk full a truck full of um turnips 
Oh wow! There's the scene where all of those really hot chicks are just like farting. It's like, <laughs> okay, no, I can hang with that. Okay, so if you can get that on uh, YouTube, Party Animal, YouTube. then Ishtar, YouTube. Ishtar is one of the most underrated. Everybody says it's a bad movie. It's it's almost a masterpiece. <laughs> like, it's a masterpiece. We watched it this star. Like Me and Bob watched this star no. about a hundred times on tour. <laughs> Saturday morning, the sound of a lawnmower. We touches can be my just heart. as good as them. <laughs> we can be just as good as them, Lyle. <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel. Chocolate yeah. love, <laughs> candy coated kisses. <laughs> yeah. We're singing the songs no. of Ishtar. I've got a closet full of love. love. Hey, give me half an hour like the last, last half hour. hour. Give me half an hour. <laughs> yeah, that's the greatest movie what ever. So Genius you know what? movie. No, I got to say that, it, that when they get to the actual place and they start doing all that that spy stuff, it gets a little Yeah, it's a little, little boring, but the songs are great. <laughs> well, so we isn't would that watch, the whole movie? We would watch it's... bad movies. We would eat donuts and drink Coca-Cola. That was our... We would each get a liter of Coke. <laughs> Hey, let's talk dozen, about watermelon. That's a movie. No, now we're fast forwarding. So somehow <laughs> the wilderness years, Keith pops up. I like in the greatest punk rock band of the last 20 years. The, by far no the kidding. greatest punk rock band. You're exactly in right. the last 20 years. Bob, you can off. say all of this stuff. You can just like stroke my you ego, but I'm not going to let you the fondle my testicles. <laughs> you have, uh, you that's have been, not going to happen. I mean, how, there's oh, no way good. Johnny Lydon can't say it. Henry fucking Rollins can't say it. None of those people on that show, that fucking guy from the Ramones, he wasn't even really in the Ramones. Why is he on that show? None of those people can say, it. I was a part of one of the greatest the, bands the guy from history, the Ramones gets to be in flag. it because he was, I was in I am Richard Hill and the, the Voidoids. Most, I am part of the most important punk rock band of now. How many fucking people can say that? Only one, Mr. Keith Morris. Hey, have you Let heard me the, blow the, you now. Can I blow you? Have you heard the have you heard the 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 latest Beck album? He has a song called It's Now. <laughs> now what happened to him? Scientology. It's really Scientology. That, that record I, 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 I was like I, I listened to it once and it's like Nope. No. Dude, I, dude, <laughs> I remember he used to, he used to carry so around good. a fucking banjo, man. And, 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 and he gave me this tape one time with a song on it, the most genius song ever. It was called The Bottle of Wine. Nobody's ever heard it. I got it on a cassette. Or MTV Makes Me Want to Smoke Crack is a great song. Beck That's a good one, great. too. Okay, so now let's get to the, what's really important. Office making it. Now, let's not get into your conspiracy theories. Do you know one thing? Can I just say one thing? I, Dude, you've been saying more than one thing. <laughs> yeah. No, but about I, I think I. Okay, if you want to hear Keith's philosophy of what's going on in the world, you can listen to Blow Mind podcast. It's about with the, the Grandmaster, the, the Grandmaster Butterfly, the P social people, the genius Cal of Thelonious Monster. They have a podcast about conspiracy theories. But your new album is about that, is what I'm hearing. You're well, expressing we had, we some had to of go your somewhere. Ideas. We had to go somewhere. It's like, what are we going to sing some more songs about? Don't you just think but Donald what, Trump? We want to. I guess I wrote rock. you a song about Donald uh, Trump, and you rejected you it. You the, said uh, you I wrote the, okay, the greatest wait. song about Bob. Donald Trump for off, and Keith said, "I'm not going to sing about Trump. That's that's totally obvious." <laughs> Yeah, but you know, you could do wiped out a thousand times. Office, but such what about a solid what, okay? Project. So what? What's the deal with this? What the the? It's 
got conspiracy theories? Yeah. Um, well, he believes in. The, here's what I believe. Let's get. No, let's I all mean, get on the it's, same it's, page. It's going in the let's in the declare off our, Dude, I believe that you being a drug counselor is some kind of conspiracy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, but could be, don't yeah. you just think that people are stupid? I don't think that things are that it's the fluoride Bob, or the vapor trails. That, Bob, I think it, people it, are just stupid. Bob, it's not about people being stupid, although there is a whole <laughs> nation full of them. We, we a lot of these people are beaten down into a situation where they've got to work two, three, four jobs just to like feed their kids and now, clothe let their me be, kids. Let me be a, so they don't have the time to go deep into anything. Whose That's, fault is it that you're unskilled labor? I, I'm not, I don't want to sound like a Republican. Well, you just did. I just well, did. You know, why don't you move to Orange County, Bob? <laughs> Good one, Chuck. Why, why, why don't you go to church and live in Orange I, County? I need to talk to Pastor Warren. <laughs> or I need or to join the John Birch Society. <laughs> Something. But because, I mean, that's always the liberal argument. All these people, they have to work. So, it's because they didn't finish high school. Not everybody has the opportunity to finish high school. Oh, my God, says the conservative guy. Of the, three of us, I think of the Chuck three is of us. more liberal than most. Well, you know, it's just, I think that's a, a big deal is that if you keep people busy, they don't have time to investigate. If you keep them tired and happy with what they've got getting by and you keep repeating that, you just be grateful for what you've got. Be grateful for what you've got and that you live in the best country in the world. Number one, number one, how, number how, one. How are, how are people, number one. I mean, the, the people like I know people that are that are well to do that they have a lot more time to investigate this stuff. And they tell me and Keith I go, has nothing but time and I to go, investigate. But, this but I'll say, stuff. you know what? They go, enjoy the storm. These clouds are all fake. And I go, I'm enjoying the fake storm today. What am I supposed to do? I got to get up and get my kid to school. Then I'm going to go to work. And then after I go to work, I'm going to go over here. And then after I go over here, I'm going to go over here and go to bed. Right. You know, the wages don't go up for people who work regular jobs. The wages do not go up that much. The minimum wage does not go up that much. No. And everything gets more and more expensive oh, because God. of greedy people oh, selling things for more. I but mean, we, the country is in awe of wealth. They think the Kardashians are... are oh, the, I don't want to go into that. Coming to, uh. No, the idolatry of wealth... Combined with like 90% of the people have no wealth at all is the most fascinating thing to me. Keith believes they're the being American vapor dream. trailed. They're, they're being vapor trailed and sprayed to believe well, the that. The metals might, the, the metals that they're putting up there might have something to okay, do with it. Okay, let's go to hey, two Bob, key conspiracies. What are vapor no, hold trails? On. What are vapor trails? Oh they're, God. They're, <laughs> they're chemtrails and contrails. Okay, what are A they? contrail is what happens when the heat from the jet engine right. hits the atmosphere where they're up there and it's colder and cooler up there. Yes. So the heat hits the cold and turns into these trails right. that dissipate a minute, two minutes, three minutes later. And what is so that? now all and of these white stripes that? that you see, come those are chemtrails. They come that, down on that us. is when the one of the heads of the CIA calls a press conference and says, yes, we are spraying aluminum to control the climate. Then one of the guys, one of the main guys at the Air Force says, well, we've been spraying lithium. Lithium? That explains why I'm so happy. <laughs> Yeah. We we are talking about 
There's there's so many different there's so many different things that are happening here. That's why I'm trying to oh. promote Blow Mind. You know that it's it's interesting and there's there's a lot to it. They have and a podcast all about it. So that's Keith's new. Well, venture. you would think why would the government spray us with all of this stuff? Mind, yeah. control. Mind control. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? Religion is not the opiate of the masses it. anymore. So they, there's got to be something. But I'm not controlled, and I'm being sprayed too. That's my thing. I don't get it. I, I'll argue a better theory. I just think, I think people are really like, look at that object over there. Look at that. That's what Trump is. Look at that. Look at that. People are so stupid. They're like, it's unbelievable. Well, people are curious too, you know, and they want only they want a, they want the truth. A, only a small percentage of people are curious anymore. Yeah. I'll give you an example. That I was pulling into the Coachella parking lot with Dimitri. Did he tell you? Have you talked to him since Coachella? No. Okay, that's your partner and off. We went with our kids to Coachella. And Dimitri's never really hung out with me all that much, especially in a very stressful environment. So they told me to park, and they were guiding me way far away. I said, no, I'm going to go park really close right here. They started standing in front of my car. They said, you, you, ha- you, have, to go, you have to go that way. And I said, I don't have to do anything. That's one thing that you don't understand. And they looked at me so puzzled. They were telling me I had to do something. I was telling them I did not have to do it. I said, I could turn my car off right now and park it right here. And they said, we'll tow you. I said, yes, fine. Tow me. But I don't have to drive that way. Uh, and they... Bob. <laughs> Yeah, but did you did you, you explain? Just did, did you explain did you to them, them that I've you been know, with you in a yeah. high stress situation? Did, did you tell them that you, you're uh, a member of a band that is Paul Tolette's favorite band? No, no, no. The, the the problem I didn't say was I got into the main good parking lot and got to go the right way because when they pulled the, when they walked up to my car, I said handicapped, handicapped. <laughs> I did, and they opened the gate, let me right in. You said handicapped, handicapped. and, they went and for I told it. Elvis to look kind of. You know. <laughs> oh God! No, you didn't, I Elvis. Did. Elvis. I got it. What do you think of that, Elvis? <laughs> Elvis, to get good parking? Are Elvis? you kidding me? Elvis, could you Elvis. cross your eyes? <laughs> Dang it. That's but, not okay, Bob. That's not, no, yeah. no, I didn't do that. I just pointed to the back. You did too. I point, no, I didn't have to. I said like this. The lady walked up. It was a different lady than the girl this, the, day, the other day. And I, she walked up and she was going to say I had to go this way. And I just, I just rolled down my window and I pointed with my thumb to the back seat where Elvis was. And I said, handicapped. And then they, they said, oh, okay, and they let me right through. So you used your kid to get a better <laughs> parking space. Of course, I used to use Elijah to, so I wouldn't get busted copping. I put, I put the car seat up in the front seat, you know, because when it's in the back seat, the cops might not see it. But mm. in the front seat, well, it's they illegal know to put it in the front seat. It now. wasn't yeah. in probably because it wasn't in 1993, <laughs> <laughs> right? No. Everything's illegal now. So fast forward, you got off, you got a movie, Elephant. Ele- uh, no, watermelon. Watermelon, watermelon is about <laughs> it's about the conspiracies ideas that you have and the t- tumultuous nature of the off. Correct. And some space aliens. Space aliens. Right? I, I, aren't you uh, doing a a GoFundMe to raise money for that Kickstarter? <laughs> we're doing Kickstarter. we're doing a Kickstarter campaign. How do people get to that? Um, well. Um, we came to the realization that we we have a lot of fans, and if each one of our fans were to just donate a dollar, a dollar, just That's a dollar, it. 
just a dollar that 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 would be all that it would be to hit our mark everything would be good there there there's a part to this because we um were were told one thing and something else happened we were told that there were going to be all of these things that were going to happen. It was like we were told when you would go to g- just you just put Kickstarter into your computer and go there, and you Google Kickstarter, and the first thing that was supposed to come up was supposed to be our campaign. Uh. And we are raising money to make a movie. We are not raising money to make a record. We have the money to make the record. Yeah, it's about okay, the movie. So le- what we uh, we can so make, people need to go to Kickstarter. It's urgent. You got till the f- end of the month, right? Yeah, but we can make a record for two hundred and fifty dollars because know. we would make a punk rock record. Mm-hmm. I know that, Keith. What happened? How did you make that trailer? To that, who made that trailer? Dimitri. Dimitri's a filmmaker. Oh my god, it's amazing, dude! It's so funny. Did, now did you, you guys saw the trailer, right? There's the trailer. There's a trailer. I think there's, you're talking about just Keith asking for Kickstarter. Yeah, that, exactly. No, there's a trailer to the movie too. Oh, there is. Yeah, but but the way that you get to the trailer is through me on April. It, it comes out on April Fool's Day, and a lot of the people that saw it didn't even get like go deep into it. They just like. Oh, he's corporate. He he was yeah. railing against all of the corporations, right. you know. And now he's he's here, and he's probably it's a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar a year job. And yeah, congratulations. So yeah, so congratulations. people people really thought it yeah. was real. The yes, videos? a bunch of them. Pe- you people, should have seen the comments. People, oh my god. Oh, people just, did not get the joke. It was on <laughs> April Fool's Day. So, oh my God, I didn't know. People took that seriously? People yeah. took it seriously. That gets back to my point that people are stupid. It's uh, stupid yeah. as rocks. You can't just be calling people stupid, Bob, I'll call them to the their time. face, fucking stupid. You can't stupid. be doing that. Why not? They are. it's not very nice. It's wrong. <laughs> Fuck. What, what would you call them? Misinformed? Is that a I would just correct? say that people are a little more naive. So the De Asadelion, this woman, this it dressed like in a pink, like you know, such a you know, rap, like a you know, like the hippies that go see the Dalai Lama, and she asks, uh, ma- uh, you know, master or whatever, um, what is wrong with the world? What at its essence do you think is causing all this strife and and, and horrible things? What is what is wrong with the world? And he looks with the twinkle in his eye and he says, lack of insight. Lack of insight. That's mm. a nice way. That's a nice way of saying stupid. <laughs> 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 lack of insight. Okay, so there's so many people with lack of insight out there. That sounds much better. <laughs> Take it from the Dalai Lama and me. That sounds much better. Do, have you ever been around Keith when he's dealing with some stupid well, person? No, but... Keith, How do you Keith deal is with almost it? kinder, okay? Than me? Than Bob? I don't huh. think so. <laughs> My thing is put up with all of it. it it's just, it's all going to be whatever it's going to be. The philosophy of the woman that, owned the liquor store across the street from my dad <laughs> on Pier Avenue in Hermosa Beach when I would buy a candy bar and a bag of uh, Laura Scudder potato chips Love and a strawberry crush. And on the way out, she would say, hey. And I would turn around and look at her and she would say, don't worry. 
everything's going to be all right. <laughs> what? That's perfect. You brought up your dad again. I believe that Keith, you loved your dad. And did you ever tell you your do, dad, Dad, I love on, you, Hold on, hold on. He does talk, Mike, you, you Mike, do talk Mike, really fondly of your dad. Mike, do not get too far ahead of yourself. <laughs> there, there, there were all of the teenage years where it's like, all of all of all of my um, rebellious juices and thoughts and all of that. Finally, I said, "I don't want to be like you. I'm not. I will not allow myself to be groomed as the new young prince of the bait and tackle <laughs> business in the South Bay." I, I got other I things that I got to do. You ever regret that decision? I, I, I think that bait and tackle no. is really still rolling. <laughs> no. Did you never, ever? Did you never, ever <laughs> did I, Keith, never, ever did I regret? You could have no. owned that store. Did you ever grab him and give him a hug and say, no, I love you, did not. Dad? Not until the end. Oh, well, see, then it's the same. Is Why is same. Mike feeling this, Chuck? I, because I don't know. It's, it's big. Look, I wrote, let's move forward. This is I was deal. fascinated with it. I was fascinated with the similarities in, in Keith. I didn't know anything about Keith's dad until I read we it. We did not look at each other as father and son until I had, I had completely moved on. And I'd gone out and done all of the, all of the early stuff that I was doing. Doing Black Flag pissing off the community and his friends love that like the, the these people need a pin shoved up their ass oh, nice. right. hmm. you know and these are nice. like he these was are, proud of the, you. these are no, some of the guys that these went are to the bait shop were thought it was great and then Keith's dad became proud of it yeah so that's what i'm saying so i don't know proud of you yeah. so tell me about the end the end basically one of the one of the greatest conversations that I ever had with anybody anywhere at any time was with my dad. And that was when I'd become sober and I knew that I had to go out, I had amends that I had to make and I had an amend with my dad where I had to sit down with him. <clears throat> it was out at the Sportsman's Lodge out on Ventura Boulevard right. out in um, North Hollywood getting out into the valley and we're sitting there i well we're 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 attending one of our uh our our relatives like 50th wedding anniversary and at one point when things started to get a little bit mellower i went up to my dad and i said um we need to go talk and he looked at me and he knew that there was something serious that was up right so we went outside it was on a beautiful summer evening. It was dark out, but the tree had all of the little white lights around it, like all of the little fireflies. Yeah. And it had a bench. It was this big tree that sat in the middle of the courtyard. And so we sat down and I said, Dad, I've got something really extremely important that I, I, I have to tell you. Um, I... While, while I was working for you, embezzled somewhere around sixty to $70,000, and that was probably on the low end. Oh, my God. And he looked at me and started to cry, 
And he said, you do not ever, never, ever need to apologize for taking that money. And I was like, what? Like what? Like, whoa. You know, it's like the... This is this this is uh, an enlightening moment. That's amazing. Um, and I, I'm I'm looking at him, and he said, "I was never a father to you, and we we were never father and son throughout all of this. We were we never we never behaved like a father and a son would behave around each other. I was always." either grinding on you because of the people that you were hanging out with, or maybe you were getting too many C's and you weren't getting enough B's or, um, you didn't show up to work on time. It was always this frivolous light crap that I would dwell upon. And we owned a business. So, the money that came in there was just as much yours as it was mine. Wow. And I, I never knew that. It was like I was always looking around, waiting for uh, the other employees to be looking in the opposite direction <laughs> when I would um, open the cash register and not like figure out a way to make the cash register open so it didn't make a lot, make of, a noise, lot of noise and it didn't ring when it opened. And I'd grab a couple of $20 bills and that's how I was paying for my Coke supply. Right. That was how I was buying all of my records. You have that's amazing. You, you go through life with a chip on your shoulder. That would have been the chip on my shoulder if I had not been able to sit down with my dad and tell him what I did. And it went away. And then to have him and his retort just fucking destroyed what I had to say. I've met a lot of people who I respect what they've done musically, and I've been so disappointed so many times, but you're Never exactly who I hoped you would yeah. be. Never disappointed in It's so voice. cool. It's so cool. You and Tim Armstrong are the coolest punk rock guys in the world. Do you know that? Yeah, but I don't have a tattoo on my head. But he's got a beard <laughs> now. He's got a beard, big beard. Well, he's, going for, beard. he's trying to go for the... Pretty soon he'll be wearing a hat like... Uh, oh, geez. Billy Gibbons. He'll be wearing a big cow. He'll be wearing a big cowboy hat. He's, let's break down. He's the going punk rock. for the ZZ let's top break, look. Let's yeah. get back to the punk rock icons because everybody's talking about this TV show that you were on. I watched the Iggy Pop Stooges Detroit one. You're on that a little bit, but then I haven't seen the other one. That's ones. because Chuck those are my heroes. Stooges. Yeah. Was, I saw the Stooges at the Whiskey A Go Go in '73, and it was one of the greatest fucking rock concerts, rock events I ever saw. So then, with so the then, exception of David Bowie and the Spiders from Mars at Santa, Santa Monica, Monica Civic, Civic in 1972, two, right? So Stooges. So so, but let's get. So I don't know the episode you're talking about. So what are the next episodes that are coming along? Are you on all six of them? There, there's only four. From, four of them, from, oh, from okay. my knowledge. Four, yeah, I, all I four think, of them. I are you on he all makes four appearances of them? on? On all of them, at least at least little excerpts. But um, do they show Black Flag on it? Yeah. Hey, did I make as many appearances as, as Henry, um, Dave as, Grohl and Henry no, Rollins? No. I'll yes. Bet, who's on? Who's on the show the most? Flea or Keith? Let's see who's the most popular. Uh, Keith, way more. Wow! Than wow, Morty! Because Holy God! And you know, Flea says that group sex is a perfect album. Yeah, it really is. I told you that. We're well, snorting coke hey, off at one a time. Lot of, a a uh, lot of people a also album. forget 
my favorite lineup of the Circle Jerks, which Flea, was Flea playing bass, Hudson and, and you. Yeah, I saw that show at the Music Machine. How many shows did I, you I play saw, with that band? I saw that one at Cypress College with the Dickies and with, no, with Flea and no, with Flea it, and it was Biscuits. A, it, it was a different. Oh, it was a different. Maybe lineup. it was at the Olympic. No, no. Where no. did the Flea Biscuits? Hetson Circle Jerks play because I saw you the, only the one whole time thing at the exploded after a Bud Club meeting. <laughs> yeah, Bud, at, the, at Club we Lingerie, had a, we had a club called mm. the Bud Club, and it, it never went very well. At all. <laughs> what is? What was it the was point Budweiser of the Bud Club? Beer and Bud smoking marijuana and being with your bros. Oh, three different kinds of buds. And Biscuit got a little drunk and Hetson punched him. I watched Hetson lift him off the ground. It was amazing. <laughs> Because he was punting, is twice as big as Hudson. He was punting. It was like it looked like he was punting a football, <laughs> and he caught biscuits between the legs and lifted him off the ground. And I was just like, "Whoa!" You know, th- now we're going to have to find another drummer. So where did you where did you play with that band? Music we, machine. We, we played the music machine. We we played the Cafe de Grand, and that could be it. It was the greatest, it was the most powerful. You're talking about Chuck Biscuits, one of the greatest drummers in the world, and Flea as the rhythm section, and then Keith and Greg doing the circle jerks on top of it. It was unbelievable. And only played two gigs. Uh, maybe three, I don't know. I don't remember all of those shows. How crazy is that? Everybody, you, if you want to see a drummer, look up... Go on YouTube and look up Chuck Biscuits. What bands was he in? Danzig? He was in Danzig. He was in Social Distortion. But with his, but with Canada, he was in Black was he in? Flag. Oh, he was in Black Flag? He was, he was in DOA. Is. The first time yes, I ever DOA, saw them, it was that like, was his band. What, are you kidding? That, that Nobody's supposed to be like this. But I, I had not seen the Bad Brains yet. Right. And then the Bad Brains come along and just, they just like it. It's like nuclear testing. Everybody just <laughs> fucking gets yeah. wasted. What, are, what to your, you can't really put yourself, you can't really say yourself unless you're an asshole and you're not an asshole. So what are your favorite punk rock bands and favorite punk rock records? Gun Club, I would think. Um, the first Gun Club record, of course. Right. I, um, a lot of people rant and rave about the first X album, which is a great album, but I love the second one. Wild Gift be- just because of one song, and that is Universal Corner. It's like, this is X trying to play Tom Petty. It's like mid-tempo. It's not even a punk rock song, but the lyrics are amazing. We're going to set fire to the payphone, and they're t- talking about setting fire to the the dumpster behind Simply Oz. They're they're closing Simply Oz on really? on the whiskey by the whiskey. Yeah, catty corner from the whiskey. They're closing. They've got some kind of closing sale. So if you need some like Hallmark type cards yeah, no, to no, send got, to your relatives, the, no, Elvis loves that store because they got all the all the masks and all the yeah. Well, they're closing. Stuff. So right. Keith, the germs. The that germs, germs record are, that are germs record is genius and yeah. don't genius. don't be don't be talking about how they're overrated that record was so opposite of what they were live it was like it how was did, unbelievable how, how did yeah. it's how, true how did this train wreck build a, a bullet train and am i am i correct <laughs> when i say that rhythmically it was it was as, as advanced as led zeppelin it was like the led zeppelin can i of say why that record is so good do you want to know why fucking, that record was so good her name is joan jett yeah she did produce that didn't she 
she got them to be serious and probably, you know. Speaking of uh, drug users and just rumors and stuff like that, I the the rumor that I heard was she was on a nod the entire time. Key to that <laughs> album is Lorna Doom holding it down like a fucking water pump. I mean, she did not play complicated or anything like that. Don Bowles turning shit around completely, and and Pat Smear being the most advanced fucking guitar player okay, punk rock okay, okay. of anybody that, of that, but of that's that time. That's the record, and that's anybody nothing that like what they were like. No, not that, live. And that's no. funny because in that in that first show, that's what you know Iggy said about the Doors is that he saw the Doors and they were just a fiasco. And he said, if this band could have a number one record, so could we. Right, and you know, it's because proof it was all that what energy. You do in the it, wasn't, studio, it wasn't about being. It wasn't about posturing. Yeah, it was. It was just. It was just. But I, 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 I modeled after the Germans. I thought you put on a show and you make good records. That's yeah, who what the fuck cares how the show three, goes? Start a so, riot and do good albums. But listen, though, the Germans kind of invented it, but I don't think that was their plan. Then. Thelonious Monster and the Replacements copied it, which is make good records the and don't give not a fuck. Invent it. The Rolling Stones invented it. The Rolling Stones, the Rolling Stones are good. I would have loved to have seen the Rolling Stones with Brian Jones or Mick Taylor. With I, Mick saw Taylor. Them, I saw them on their first tour Dude, with Ronnie Wood. You're not Ronnie talking about Wood. Mick Taylor Rolling Stones, Dude, brother. I'm talking about Keith Richards, okay? I'm talking about him playing terrible fucking live three-fourths of the fucking time, okay? But in the studio, they were genius. They left it someplace to go. They kept their amps nice and clean and everything. And then when they played live, they played Did loud. Did you see the Stones with, with only with Ron Wood? I've seen the Stones, I want to say, five times. Only with Ron Wood. Only with Ron Wood. And Ron Wood was, all, not, Ron Wood was not the right choice for a guitar player no, for the need, Rolling Stones. They needed somebody like Mick Ron Taylor. Wood, though, was excellent in Faces. Yeah, got to agree. Right. So get on with the part three. So in part three, so what are your favorite bands? Germs album, Gun Club. X's second See, record. you're talking about punk rock, and it's like, I'm Well, that's like, what the TV show's about. Yeah, but it's you like... Notice that he hasn't mentioned the Ramones not one time. He was wearing a Ramones shirt on the show, though. <laughs> Were you really? The first Ramones album is... Is amazing. ...is one of the greatest albums ever recorded. True. If, the, if, there's, if there's like a top 20, that would probably be... That could be like number 19 or 20. Okay, what's the number one? What's the greatest album ever made? What? What? Well, it's not the band, and it's not all of these. Um, it's not the ru- Beatles. All of these. The Beatles. All of these. Uh, machine gun. All of kit. all of these guys. All of these guys that listened to music, but uh, majored in uh, literature in Robert, college. Robert and Chris the, all, all of those guys. They all want to like fuck each other in the ass over like the band. <laughs> Or Van Morrison, or just some of the most boring music ever made. <laughs> so, what's the greatest record? Exile Main Street, yeah, even the Bob White Dylan. Album? The well, White Bob Album. Bob Dylan's new album is the greatest thing that he's ever written because he's gone through being a Christian. He's gone through being a Jew. <laughs> he's like wandering the desert. He's trying to figure out where he's going. What is he? And this new one, he's fucking a race car driver. It's genius. <laughs> He has their attention, doesn't he? No, but who? Who's? I mean, what, uh, I, but he did write some amazingly great genius songs. I'm not saying punk rock records. What's the greatest records ever made? Exile on Main Street, Fog Hat's first album, Fog Hat, Rock. The, the first Fog Hat album. 
You mean the, the guys that used to be in Savoy Brown? <laughs> Savoy you, know, Brown. you know how many times I saw Fog Hat? You know how many times I saw Fog Hat and, and Bad Company? Oh, yeah. I must have seen those two bands probably a hundred times. And the, at um, Long Beach Arena. At Long Beach Arena. Dude, I saw Fog Hat at the Whiskey A Go Go. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you like working? Dude, I saw Uriah Heap at the nice Whiskey A Go Go. I'm going to see Uriah Heap. They're okay. Playing. They're I playing. saw Tom Petty at the, at the Whiskey. You know who's playing coming up? Robin Trower, May 3rd at. I saw Robin Trower at the Whiskey. You're not in his prime? It was twice removed from yesterday. Oh my God. A lot of people <laughs> fucking played the Whiskey. Oh, you want to know, know what else he saw at the Whiskey? Tell him about Leonard Skinnerd, Keith. Okay, Leonard Skinner. We got to meet all of the guys from Leonard Skinner. They, they, <laughs> they pulled up in two Chevy Impalas, and all of them just piled out. And it, it, and I was there with uh, Jeff Migdahl, who was Brian Migdahl's older brother. Brian Migdahl would be the first drummer in Black Flag. Anyways, Jeff and I are standing there. We're going to be the first ones in. And this is what's this is this is the genius part. The bill was Rufus and Shaka Khan. <laughs> tell what? me something good. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me that you like it. Yeah. yeah. They were the opening band and Leonard Skinner. And it's like, okay, now all of a sudden we're the first ones in and we're watching all of these people pile in. There's the guys, uh, there's the cowboys in their flannels and their cowboy boots. There's the disco dancers who are there for Rufus and Shaka Khan. They're probably going to be the ones that are going to have the cocaine. If any of the cowboys <laughs> want some cocaine to kick it up a few notches. Here come the bikers because the, the Leonard Skinner also... The, the bikers appreciated that free bird. Free bird. Yeah. Right. So oh, now all of a sudden, you have these three groups. It's like, no, this isn't supposed to happen. Somebody's going to get killed. Somebody's going to get knifed. Somebody's, somebody's going to get hit so hard, their eyes are just going to pop right out of their skulls. And when Rufus and Shaka Khan start playing, it's like, everybody's dancing together it's like this is not supposed to happen That's we fantastic. have we have members of the hell's angels <laughs> we have fucking skull suckers you know give oh me my, my give me my give me a pinch between my cheek and gum nice and Do it you was remember when 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 van halen did the residency at the whiskey i saw van halen once and I, uh, and I knew when I saw them that I didn't like them. Yeah, I've never liked Van Halen. I got Eddie, to I got to smoke crack cocaine with uh, Diamond Dave. Oh, that's that was nice. fucking awesome. That's he, cool. He he actually invited me into his office at the Zero One on Kawanga upstairs Smoke there some coke above the yeah. above the what was the stripper uh, fashion? Yeah, the shoe store. But why didn't yeah. you like them? You didn't like Diamond Dave, or um, I? I like Panama. It was, it was rock and roll. I like Panama, like and I lo I love is so. This is love. Because I just think like David Lee Ross, like nuts. That's why he hung out with us and stuff. You know, he hung out with the people at the Zero and stuff. I just he, thought he was kind of crazy. You know what? You know what that was mind. about? Cocaine. He want he want <laughs> no. It had nothing to do with the cocaine. 
He wanted to hang out with real people. He didn't want to hang out with all of the uh, Van Halen. He's Klingons. not a heavy metal guy. He's not. He's not no, a heavy he's metal not. guy. He's kind of. Not, he's not and so he had to create why his do own you, world. Why do you think they did the song Top Jimmy? Because Top Jimmy was real, and they he, he loved all of the people real that stuff. would show up because it wasn't all of these glam hair fucking poison no you know. he was just a fun guy and he, he liked being around cool people he liked so 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 skinner you talk about all the time but do you remember angel did you ever see angel my um i'm gonna tell a i'm gonna tell a story in my next book um my book did so well you're doing part two my my book wasn't supposed to make it out of the first printing that's what the the <laughs> the, the people that put it out that was their that was their mentality, like, oh, that we're going to sell 12 of these. We went into a third printing. It was like yeah, when I... Three when editions, I, huh? When wow. I went into the paperback edition... Did you that, go to Japan and that, read? That, that guaranteed that I was going to be asked to write a second book. And I'm already starting to compile stories. And one of the stories is the piece of property that my dad was offered for $70,000 yeah. had a little house attached to it. It was a three car garage that's separated the two story house from the little, um, single bungalow, yeah. little bungalow like thing. And the guy that was living in the bungalow at the time managed deep purple, Tommy Bolin, and he managed angel for a day. <laughs> for one day for one day <laughs> he 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 put together well uh, uh, he 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 managed them probably for about three weeks actually that they, they were going to do a uh they did i was invited to see their um comeback or something no 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 this was on their very first tour the first album hadn't even come out yet they were getting ready to go out and start promoting the first album. This was a dress rehearsal where they showed up in all of their white oh, yeah, and, yeah. you know, like their perfectly coiffed hair. You liked them, didn't you? I loved that first album. It's the There's tower. a light in the <laughs> tower. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> Kane AC played that. Um, I, I went to the, the their... Um, Party or whatever. Their... Um, Oh, God, I can't even think of the word now. See, that's senility. Yeah, it's coming. That's in. Alzheimer's. Might be cocaine abuse. That might be. Damage, brain damage. Yeah. Or vapor trails. Uh, um, probably probably that, a little bit of both. Well, <laughs> all three. But the, you know what? I, 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 no, I, went, I went to their dress rehearsal. Yeah. It was really happening. It's like, this shit's fucking cool. I'm into this. Because that was the stuff that I was listening to at that time. There was no punk rock then. It was like... Hey, you know, let's Angel. listen to. Here you're we are. A, Watch an angel. Big... He did not like it. Oh, and the next like day, the he next day, I managing? said, hey, "So what, what, what's happening?" And he said, um, "I had to excuse myself. I'm I I can't manage them. I don't wow. like them. I yeah. love them." And but so, in in my story, in in the that's going to be in the book, this particular story dealing with this guy who's my next door neighbor. Right. Uh, at one point, he's going to ask me if I wanted roadie for Deep Purple. Wow. Mm. And he goes on this uh, 
little rant about how he was the road manager for the Doors when they played at the Hollywood Bowl. And there was a situation, and he said, this situation required me to do something that would, would have chopped my hand off. What was that? And I did it. Well, I'm going to I'll get into the details. Oh, ah, a teaser for a book. Oh, fucking, so I, I will yeah. wave a carrot right in front okay. of your face. Are you so a, now let's go into. And I, I will also you, get into being a roadie for two weeks for the fabulous Commodores. She's a brick house. She's a brick. Mighty, mighty, mighty. Just let it all hang out. So That's you were a, a roadie. You also were a manager. You managed a Southern rock band from los angeles called thelonious monster morty mortison right what was it like to manage god what a fucking horrible experience (laughs) (laughs) why would greatest tour ever why (laughs) would you why would you bring up that nightmare well here's what that was it it wasn't it wasn't it's a monster it's a party it's the monster it's a party it was a fucking headache (laughs) so here's the story is bob i (laughs) i got you guys as acting as your manager, <laughs> I got you a gig where you were going to be playing prop. I, 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 I want to say it was at the Hollywood Palladium opening for somebody that yeah. was that was going to draw like 4,000 yeah, people. Yeah. And here you are. You're, you're this brand new band that not very many people know about except all of the people in your circle. Right. You're going to be playing in front of all of these new people. Right. And that's the purpose of being in a band. You need to get up and you need to play in front of all of these people. I don't that remember don't, this, that, but I get the feeling it didn't go well. That, that, <laughs> you, you play you, you play for your case of beer and your guarantee because you're going to be playing in front of all of these people and your job is to get up there and And play the the best you can and make all of these people your fan. What happened, Keith? You blew it off for a $200 (laughs) gig at some fucking basement club downtown LA. I don't even remember. We're all about the money. And I said, so fuck you guys. I'm not even your friend anymore. You went on tour with us and here's... This 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 would be later on I'm, yeah because i'm going to tell the story about when you played with the soup dragons and their crew was going to fucking tear me limb from limb <laughs> because of all of your fucking wise ass wise and fucking heimer <laughs> smarty pants bullshit <laughs> rap i used what? to love to insult the headliners Chuck, isn't that how you succeed in life? Uh, apparently, apparently I've done it all wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, <laughs> exactly. but we got this. We got this thing where uh, we went on this one tour, and we and clubs would stiff us. They'd say we broke stuff, or we charged we charged a bunch of booze, or you or, stuck a mic up your yeah, ass, or did something. And so we were getting <laughs> that's a two hundred dollar mic you got time. inserted did, in your rack. We we're getting we stiffed all the time, and so we were. But we had the monster van out in front of my house and we're loading in. Keith lived there. And Pete just said, Morty, you want to come? And he goes, sure. He was, and he came on the tour, right? And it was the idea was, are they really not going to pay Keith Morris when he goes in to collect for us? Right. We were going to send more. Okay. Isn't that smart? That's, that's and thinking. Keith always and that's got where, paid. And that's always where got you paid. Got, and that's where we got the name Morty. And you use me, Bob, and I'll never <laughs> forgive you for that. 
So but go fuck yourself. You got oh, to go we had a great funnest, time. We, you got to go on the funnest tour ever. We, we had, had so a much great fun. time. That Except, was when Mike was looking for meth by the side of the road. Oh, he heard yeah. the dude. He heard the truckers when they got busted <laughs> right. by cops <laughs> right. meth out. So he right. would just walk along the side As of the road we trying to find meth. Dude, well, we had blown out a tire because somebody hadn't put a fucking spare tire in the guy. Well, I took it out because it, 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 it took too, too much room. Yeah, it took up too much you, room. So somebody <laughs> took it out. When and we, we didn't discover that until we were almost in New Mexico. When, got a flat go. tire. When, when we had left L.A. and got to the desert, the first thing you needed to do was take a heroin dump. Yeah, oh. and you fucking Poopy. pulled your pants Poopy. down, and you shit on your oh, hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the time, time when you shit all over his shirt. Oh, See, okay. Keith knows you so had, little about dude, heroin, dude. He you knows. had it in your hair. You had it in the back of your pants. <laughs> it was like <laughs> fuck. Well, what happened was I wasn't I wasn't as sophisticated yeah. with uh, withdrawals. Chuck, are you familiar with withdrawals? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I went into them deeply and kind of unassumingly, and all of a sudden I had to go to the bathroom <laughs> Unknowingly. really bad. Why didn't you bring dope with you? Well, I had. Uh, we was, did, but was, it only lasts it like only a lasts couple of days. Couple of, <laughs> it's math, guys. I need this much a day for this many oh, days. You're talking at bad math petitions. monster math, I'll we tell know. you that. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had the greatest times. I always say... Keith is the greatest guy in the world, the greatest hero of mine. You I just say that because you owe me a bunch of money, Bob. I got so. to live you with him. I probably do. I'm going to sit down with you at Sportsman Lodge coming up here pretty quick. You know, you know. <laughs> he's going to do exactly what his dad's saying. <laughs> there was, there was a, been paid you're back. my friend. You don't owe me anything. That's right. Yeah. If there was a time when you were, uh, you were signing bands for Virgin, right? For, for V2? V2 yeah. No, I, I worked for V2, which was Richard Branson decided uh, uh, <clears throat> he needed to start another record label. And so they he snapped his fingers. He got uh, Andy Gershon, who had been working at another company. Andy Gershon worked for Virgin. And, okay. And Andy Gershon was responsible for a couple of, like, ultra-mega, like, Smashing Stripes. Pumpkins. Stripes, no, but that's V2. I'm oh, talking about Virgin. I, I'm I'm curious about what who who did you what who did you bring in? What were you looking for? Burning did brides. Well, Burning when brides. When I when I went Dimitri, to work, right? I I was called in to work with my friend John Seidel. and originally it was like Keith, you only need to be here two two days out of the week. You'll be answering the phone, and then it turned into me having to put. Uh, Xerox paper in the Xerox machine. <laughs> <laughs> talking. Bob, the V2 Bob, offices were Bob, in John Seidel's garage. Bob, oh. being the smart Alec jackass that he is, had Maynard from Tool call me one day. It was an hour-long conversation. John Seidel wanted to strangle me because I was... I was one of the reasons I was there was I was I was the acting secretary, which meant all of the calls came through me. So as I was the filter. It's like if uh, Maynard calls and what did Maynard, want? Maynard calls and says, I manage the biggest band in India. <laughs> you, you you must you must fly here to see them. 
They're the, they're the biggest band here in India. You. Uh-huh. You, you fly over here to see them. The, this went on for about an hour, and, mm-hmm. and, and Saito was, like, turning blue. He wanted to, like, strangle me. V2 was uh, uh, cool. But, but V2, even V2 off, was good. Even Off has a rabid following, like, from the get. Well, getting back to V2 and Andy Gershon, when John Sedell said um, Keith Morris is going to be the, I House guess, the, the, the A&R boy here, mm-hmm. um, the, the first time I met Andy was at the South by Southwest, and we had just got through having... Uh, I guess there were 20 members of V2, the V2 staff, all of the A&R people. We had this meeting, and at the end of the meeting, when everybody was getting up and filtering out, he grabbed me and he pulled me and he sat me down next to him and he said, "Um, I I could not be more ecstatic. I'm really excited that you would be willing to work for this company. And he said, I have, if you were to come into my office, I have a cassette sitting on my desk. This cassette has sat on every desk that I have sat behind since I heard it. He says, this is one of the greatest recordings that I've ever heard. And no one will put it out? He said, if, if we could have signed this band, we would have taken your demo that you recorded. Brett Gerwitz engineered it. I produced huh. it. Who he was said, it, it was, was the it? Nymphs. Oh, he wow. said, I would have signed the band on the spot probably given them everything they asked for. We would have taken this recording and put it of, up. Of, we would have taken this recording. We probably, what, what, what we would do is we would remaster it to make it like blow it up a bit more. Right. So it's the same volume as but other But they, yeah. they signed with Geffen though. They signed with Geffen. The guy they signed with was just, that guy was fucking horrible. Did Inger really pee on his desk? I you know what? I don't know, and I don't care because I had, <laughs> I had, I had moved on. I I managed two bands that were part of all of that. Everybody getting caught up in all of the Guns and Roses sweepstakes and the Green Day sweepstakes and uh, Nirvana. You it, loved Green Day. You, um, Dookie, you had that cassette and you were playing it, and you dude, said not, this I band. Didn't, I didn't this like. Band I didn't has good energy. I didn't love. Uh, Green Day and Dookie as much as you love the fucking Culture Club cassette. <laughs> well, that fucking nothing. piece of shit. Well, you did. You said they Bob had good energy. the Culture Club. You yeah. know what? You know what I did. He had like six. He had six cassettes that never. They were on constant rotation in Borderline the cassette by place. Madonna Culture Club. Yeah. A rush twenty one twelve. He left That's exactly what I was. <laughs> he left. That's what I he was left thinking. the space one day, and he had left chocolate milk in the refrigerator. <laughs> and I grabbed the all the, the giant do. the giant Ziploc bag. I put all of the cassettes in the Ziploc bag, and I filled the, the Ziploc bag with the chocolate milk. I zipped it close, and I put it in the back of the freezer. And he came home, and he wanted to know where his cassettes were. And I, I told him, well, I don't know. I don't know what happened to your cassettes. The, it, then he had this... Uh, this fucking man love for Sammy Hagar. I love where it that was man. All, it, all he played was I can't drive over 55 <laughs> or something just like to that. stay alive or whatever the fuck. <laughs> hold on, hold was. on. And he would play that. I came in one day while he was playing it. He's sitting there. I walked to the 
turntable. He threw it out I the just window. ripped it off <laughs> and it threw it out the back door into the construction site next door. <laughs> <laughs> and how about Camper Van Beethoven? I love that. Oh, my God. He went through the Camper Van Beethoven. Everything well, seems that, to that be was, up I in like, the air. You know, that's a lot different time. than Rush. That's the, see, some musical whiplash. But no, then. but I have this uh, obsessive-compulsive personality disorder where I listen to the same song over and over again. And Keith had to listen to Borderline by Madonna, I'll tumble for you. I'll tumble for you. I'll tumble for you. Come a, come a, come a, come a, come a, come Coma. The lyric is coma, 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 and coma chameleon. I love this song. Everything. It's called the Ambiguity Song. You can listen to it on Apple, you know, radio by Camp of Beethoven. I must have listened to that song a million times. You never listened to that around me. I probably would have appreciated it. Everything seems to be. But nobody can appreciate something over and over and over again. I made a cassette one time that just had borderline, you know, like a 30-minute cassette that had borderline play three times on one side and then flip it over and it played three times. Wow. I love that song, Borderline by Madonna. I loved it. I loved it. it Good for you. You're the greatest guy ever. You're really difficult to live with. You're difficult to, uh, (laughs) to, to eat with sometimes. Dude, speak for yourself. You're, you, you're just rattling off a list about yourself. Okay, this could go on all night. I'll tell you the greatest thing. I'm making a horrible solo album. Even I know it's horrible, but you can't stop. When you're making a bad record, you can't stop. Can you, Mike? Oh, no. No, Let's- oh, <laughs> no you didn't. What? Oh. The second record. The, the second se- Sweet Low record. You couldn't stop. Oh, we never. it never came out. I Dude. have it. I remember the living, living in. Low. No, it, there is no second. Yeah, second. the songs that you had demos of them. Living uh, on Holly Crest in yes. the Kawanga Pass so I'm, with Stacy, with Miss the lovely Miss Stacy Grenrock, and, and and she came out one day and she was she was just shaking her head like. This fucking, I love Bob, and, but this is shit. <laughs> so, oh, so, yeah. so I'm playing a song. I come home that night. I recorded for four years, Chuck. Four years making a record. It got worse each year. And so I'm playing this song and in the living room, like at 12 o'clock at night when I get home. And Keith comes out of his bedroom and he goes, Sounds like a Budweiser commercial. (laughs) 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 And he just goes to the bathroom and pees and just walks back to his room. He's honest. It was honest. It does say. And every time we play that song i think it sounds like a, it's body and soul come and buy some budweiser come on um but yeah we had some fun we're still alive aren't you amazed that we're all still alive mike mart keith morris bob forrest all alive i'm glad hey, we are. i i watched it, i think it was a pink cadillac the yeah we had the, sawed off the the hood the the, the uh car that's on the Texan the yeah, horse heads yeah, yeah. yeah you were getting a blow job it was a bright <laughs> sunny day oh it was during the day yeah wow everybody was every, Mike Mart doesn't remember. everybody was uh, attending awesome. a little I'm glad like, you saw that over here at, over here at the rehearsal space Slim's rehearsal space right here on yeah. on Heliot on uh no yeah. right here yeah Hoover on Hoover yeah right. I saw Morrissey there one time was rehearsing Really? It was exciting. His head yeah. is so big. His head is like twice as big as your <laughs> Did you head. like it? It's just like, you don't want do to look you, at it. Do you like Morrissey or the Smiths? I love them. I love Smiths. Oh, we've but, had this conversation. But, but I'm telling you, 
Los Angeles is the music capital of the world. It always has been. They say, oh, Seattle, grunge, or Minneapolis, or Prince, or this or that. No, Los Angeles has been the center of all great music for six decades. Mm-hmm. Keith is a big part of a certain movement of it. Mm-hmm. Every great band, you're talking about, I've heard them rehearsing. Rage Against the Machine, Elliot Smith in the same fucking building, Guns N' Roses, The Chili Peppers, The, the Circle Jerks, just Los Lobos, X, The Plimsolls. Los Angeles kills every other music movement ever. And yet we were like thought of as prostitutes and scumbags, and I'm sick of it. Drug addicts. <laughs> well, we are that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but don't you agree? Hey, uh, you know, an amazing band that like nobody even really realizes came from L.A. was uh, Creedence Clearwater. Right. Right? I mean, it sounds like they're from fucking the Blasters. Let's just go through it. You've seen them all. American music. Tom Waits. Tom Waits is from Los Angeles. Yeah, exactly. Steppenwolf. The Seeds, you're pushing too hard. Paul right. Revere and the Raiders. No, Sky Saxon was from like. Uh, Did I say love? That's uh, a that's, love. Yeah, the Doors. Then you had Spirit the from Topanga Canyon, right? Joni Mitchell, Crosby. Dude, Stills, I heard Nash a Joni Young. Mitchell song the other day in the bookstore. I was in tears. I I fucked up by not asking what Joni Mitchell song is this and what album is it on and the woman behind the counter would have been more than happy to look it up i mean when i was just like are you fucking kidding let's start with it okay how about graham parsons how about the eagles how about fleetwood mac how about every great music comes from los angeles you could have left the eagles out (laughs) (laughs) and fleetwood mac (laughs) come on come on now that's the cocaine uh wine cooler champagne mimosa Uh, on sunday morning highway Cool winds in my hair. One yeah. smell of Kalik. Yeah, dust. No, I'm yeah, Bob. We're, I'm we're through here. To, we're, we're, are we through with this episode? Because Bob is. I'm singing the Eagles, brother. Bob. I'm singing the Eagles. Bob singing the send off. <laughs> See ya. See you later, everybody. Don't die, please.